For more information on the Cabaret Theater and how you can help, please stay after the show. The Cabaret Theatre Company is proud to present Audio Theatre for Your Listening Pleasure. Please enjoy our rendition of the Christmas classic A Christmas Carol in Prose, A Ghost Story of Christmas, by Charles Dickens. Jacob Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. There is, however, some speculation as to whether the curmudgeonly old miser's spirit subsequently presented itself after death for reward or punishment. Whatever the case, it is absolutely certain that something very strange, and perhaps supernatural, occurred on the eve of Christmas in the year of our Lord, 1843. This is the story of that night. It has been told over and over again. Some dismiss it as poppycock. Others swear to the truth of it. You must be your own judge. Molly! Jacob Marley! Come for Jacob Marley! You were once known as Jacob Marley? Once, in life, yes. You carry a heavy burden, Jacob Marley. I... Do you deny that in life... You earned the chains you now bear. Yeah, I do not deny it. You forged these chains yourself. I did. You cheated those who trusted you out of their hard-earned money. And you hoarded your money under lock and key in steel boxes. Yes. Have you remorse, Jacob Marley? For your selfish behavior. Have you remorse? Some, yes. I have some remorse. Then you may have some relief of your burden. Some, if you choose. What must I do? Your spirit must journey back to where you forged each link of your heavy chain. Go. What must I do there? Go. What must I do? You will know. You will know. And so the spirit of Jacob Marley set out on its long and weary journey back to the place where he earned his fate the counting house, where he had labored with his business partner, Ebenezer Scrooge. When Marley died, the register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, by the clerk, by the undertaker, 
and by his only mourner, Scrooge. There's my signature, Jacob. I suppose that makes it official. Now you're dead for certain. Always and forever. Well, the highest honor I can do you, Jacob, is to get back to business. It was devilish of you to die just now. Of all the calendar year, you couldn't have picked a more inconvenient time. Christmas. Humbug. For all the silliness of the season, it is our most profitable time. And now here you've left me with double work. Bah! Ebenezer Scrooge and Jacob Marley had been business partners, and in the beginning they couldn't have been more different. Ebenezer was quiet, reserved, actually a bit shy. But Jacob, oh, Jacob Marley, was a dynamo, a very persuasive dynamo. Think of it, Ebenezer. A successful business. Marley and Scrooge, a counting house. We'll make a success of it, Ebenezer, because most businessmen are fools. Do you think so? Yes, of course. They buy inventory and sell it at a profit, to be sure, as any businessman must. But they abhor keeping accounts of everything. All those little numbers in columns, they hate it. And their dislike of numbers will make us a fortune, Ebenezer. I don't see it, Jacob. Then look at it more closely. You are a genius with numbers. There's no one better. And I, you know me, Ebenezer, I could convince the queen to pawn her crown if I had the chance. No one can entice clients better than I. It's a perfect partnership. I'll gather the clients and the pertinent information. And you can organize all those little numbers into neat little columns and precious little rows. We'll do what the lazy ones won't do for themselves, and we'll make a very good living at it. What do you say, Ebenezer? It sounds feasible, yes. Then we'll give it a try? Well, I'm not quite sure whether... Oh, and we won't stop there, Ebenezer. Once we have enough money set by, we'll lend it to those who need to borrow. The interest they pay will make us an even greater fortune. Marley and Scrooge, think of it. Think of it. We'll have it painted directly over the door. Marley and Scrooge, a counting house. Marley and Scrooge? Why, when people go to speak it, wouldn't Scrooge and Marley resonate better? Roll off the tongue more easily? Why, if that's what it takes to have the finest accountant in London in the business with me, so be it. Scrooge and Marley it is. And so it was. In no time at all. The shop was rented and the sign placed above the door. Scrooge and Marley, a counting house. And Marley was proved correct. In less than a year's time, the two young men had begun to make the tidy living Marley had promised. And Ebenezer began to think that he would soon be secure enough to take a wife and begin a family. A wife and family? Well, now that we've established the business, Belle and I thought... A wife and family will require a certain investment of time and money. She will be better served once you have set aside enough to care for her. Properly, 
Your bell will surely understand that you want to provide well for her. Between the accounting and the lending, and the lending and the accounting, Scrooge and Marley's counting house became very successful indeed. And both men became very fond of making money. And neither took a penny's worth of pleasure in spending it. Consequently, and without ever noticing it, both men became two old, unmarried, but very rich misers. Then, without much warning, Jacob Marley died. Ebenezer was shocked and dismayed, but not at all sorrowful. Of all the selfish inconsiderates, how dare you die now, Jacob? It is our busiest time, and now I must set the work back and tend to you. Couldn't you have picked a better time to die? And as old Jacob had no family, and no friend other than his business partner, Ebenezer Scrooge became his sole executor, his sole administrator, and it fell to Scrooge to arrange the burial of the man who had schooled him in how to gain and retain wealth. There you go, sir. No easy task, sir. And as fine a grave as any man is like to see for a mere pound. That much for digging a grave? It's robbery, is what it is. There. Ten shillings is what he left for his burial, and no, you shan't have a pence more than what old Marley left for that purpose. Uh, but, sir, a man has got to earn a living, hasn't he? You earning a living should not put me in the poorhouse. It's robbery to charge so much for simply digging a hole. It's a deep hole it is, sir. It's got to be. You can't be putting nobody in a hole less than six feet deep. There's animals that'll dig it up, sir. You wouldn't want that now, would you? A fine, upstanding man like you? No animal would want Jacob Marley's tough old sack of bones. If ten shillings only gets him three feet, well then so be it. Fill it in and cover him up and take your ten shillings and be done with it. The six feet's already dug it is. Well, let it be a lesson to you. See to the terms of the contract in advance. Uh, you'll get away with it with me, but the minister's coming, and, and men of God like that, well, they don't take half pay for a job that's wholly done. No, sir, they don't. Get about your work. The minister's not like me. What can I do? The poor man's always at the mercy of the rich, and he can't do nothing about it. But a minister, well, a minister's got God on his side, he has. He'll be wanting full price for the service he provided. And if you've any fear of hell, my advice is give him full and proper payment. A service? Is that what he calls a few words mumbled over a dead body? I call it an unwarranted expense. And besides that, a minister is already being paid for being a minister, isn't he? Saying words at a funeral is doing his job. Why pay him more to do a job he's already paid to do? Not a farthing will he get from me for doing his job. Now get about your business and let me get back to mine. Though you've taken food from the mouths of my children, still in the Christian spirit, uh, I'll wish you a good day nonetheless. Good day. 
good day. Good day. Humbug. It will be a good day when I've finished with this nonsense. Having devoted a full one hour and thirty-nine minutes in the dispatch of his friend and long-time business partner, Ebenezer Scrooge returned to the counting-house, of which he was now the sole owner. It was a bleak place. Barely furnished, it was a perfect reflection of Ebenezer Scrooge himself, cold and dark, with not a hint of a decoration anywhere to be seen, nor anything, in fact, that required an expenditure of money. He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching old sinner whose demeanor never changed, whether in private or public. Oh, what a joyous day. Out of my way. His gruff personality was dispensed with equal venom to man and woman alike. Bless you. A man makes his own blessings. I'll thank you to mind your business and I'll mind mine. Hard and sharp as flint. Self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek. His coldness permeated his very being all the way to his heart. He carried his coldness about with him everywhere he went and at all times. He never warmed a fraction of a degree, not even at Christmas time. Merry Christmas! Bah! Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge! Humbug! Christmas to Ebenezer Scrooge was nothing more than a bother, a time when he was forced to slow his work because others slowed theirs. It was the day before Christmas, a full seven years after Jacob Marley's death, when Ebenezer was busy tending to the year-end accounts that his nephew, Fred, paid him his annual visit. Merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you. Merry Christmas. Any nephew of mine should have the good sense to be at his job at this time of day and not be prancing about shouting Merry Christmas nonsense. Humbug to that. Christmas is nothing but a humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. You don't mean that, I am sure. I do. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Come then, Uncle. What right then have you to be dismal? You're rich enough. Bah! Bah! And humbug. <laughs> and a humbug as well. I am doubly honored. Nephew or no, and as old as you are, if you don't stop prating about such nonsense, I shall double honor you with a good ear-boxing. Oh, don't be cross, Uncle. Let me to my work. It's Christmas time, a, a time for making merry. Merry Christmas, I say again, Uncle. Be of good cheer and don't be cross or angry. What else can I be when I live in a world of fools such as this? Merry Christmas. Out upon Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for amassing bills without money to pay them? A time for finding yourself a year older, not an hour richer. A time for spending beyond your means and increasing your debt. 
If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should. But, Uncle. Oh, but, Uncle. But, Uncle. Keep your but, Uncle, to yourself, nephew. And keep your Christmas to yourself as well. You keep Christmas in your own way, if you must, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Christmas, much good may it do you. Much good it has ever done you. There are many things from which I have derived good, and from which I have not profited, Uncle. I dare say Christmas is among the best of them. I have always thought of Christmas as a good time. A time is a time and nothing more than a time. And no time is better than any other time. Not so, Uncle. Apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin, or perhaps because of it, Christmas is a kind time, a forgiving, a charitable, and pleasant time. It's a waste of time. Not a waste, Uncle. Heavens no, not a waste. Why, it's the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem willing to open their shut-up hearts freely to all people, even those below them. The less fortunate, the sick, the suffering. At Christmas time, even the haughtiest among us think of those of lesser means, not as another race of creatures on a different journey from theirs, but, but rather as fellow passengers on everyone's inevitable way to the grave. And that is why, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And to that I say, God bless it. Let me hear another sound from you, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your position and the 15 shillings a week that goes with it. Think of your wife and family before you jeopardize your position by applauding Christmas foolishness. And you. Yes, Uncle? You're quite a powerful speaker, sir, in defense of Christmas. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. <laughs> don't be angry, Uncle. Uh, come. My wife and I would like you to grace our home and table with your presence. Come dine with us tomorrow. I'll see you in hell first. But why, Uncle? Why? You shall know why. Answer me this question. Why did you get married? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. If there is one thing in this world more ridiculous than a merry Christmas, it's marrying because you fell in love. Better to fall into hell than fall in love. One day you'll discover the time you spent falling in love would have been more profitably spent working to provide a better life for yourself. The only bigger fools than those who spend perfectly good working days muddling about as they're falling in love are the ones who go about shouting Merry Christmas across the dinner table. I will not come to see you at such a dinner. The day you married for love was the day you became a fool, and I am not in the habit of gracing the dinner table of such a fool. Good afternoon. But, Uncle, you never came to see me before I became a fool and married for love. Why give it as a reason for not coming now? Come. Please. Come, Uncle. Good afternoon. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing from you. Why cannot we at the very least be friends? Good afternoon! With all my heart, I am sorry to find you so 
resolute in your opinion? Keep your being sorry. It's yet another waste of time. Oh, sorry, sir. Sorry I bumped. Sorry I spoke. Sorry I laughed. Sorry I breathed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Take all the sorries uttered inanely in the scope of a single day, and what have you got? A colossal waste of time that could have been put to good use for some profit, however large or small. Uncle, I came to see you with all goodwill because of Christmas, and I won't argue with you. I, I simply won't do it. Arguing will darken my humor, and I am bound and determined to keep my bright Christmas humor to the last. And so a final wish. Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. And off to wrap himself in all the joys of the Christmas season, Fred went his merry way, determined, of course, not to let his uncle's cold disposition spoil the day. On his way out, however, he encountered two lovely women on their way to solicit donations for charity. Good day, ladies. And a good day to you, sir. Is the proprietor of the counting house within? Indeed he is, and in his usual blustery mood. Oh, dear. We'll cheer him up, dear. Oh, giving to the less fortunate always lifts the spirit. I have no doubt of that, ladies. A Merry Christmas to you both. And, and to you, you, sir. And with that, Fred went about his business. And both Catherine Townsend... Is your best smile prepared, Margaret? And Margaret Bottomsfelt... Who cannot the world beguile with the brightness of a smile? <laughs> We're about to test their beguiling smiles on the most ill-tempered man in all of London. A good day to you, sir. What is it? As often as I've passed by your sign, I must say I've never once had the pleasure of entering. Have you, Margaret? Not once, Catherine. I wish I could say differently, but truthfully, not once. But today, here we are. We are here. And here happens to be Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. Have you need of our services? Margaret Bottomsfield here. Catherine Townsend here. Ebenezer Scrooge here. And waiting. Your business, if you don't mind. Yes, yes, time is certainly fleeting, isn't it? Uh, have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night and no longer needs to earn his daily bread. Died on Christmas Eve? Oh! A sad loss made even sadder on such a joyous day. We trust, however, and uh, have no doubt, his generosity will be well represented by his surviving partner. Generosity? Indeed, at this festive time of year. Festive? Indeed. Generosity and festivity. Generous of whom and festive for whom, may I ask? For every person of goodwill, of course. And those not of goodwill? Oh, how droll of you, Mr. Scrooge. At Christmas time, everyone is of goodwill. And that is why, more than at any other time of year, Christmas is the most desirable time to make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly throughout the city. Ah, the poor and the destitute. 
They suffer, do they? Oh, yes, indeed they do. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Isn't that so, Margaret? Oh, yes, Catherine. And hundreds of thousands are in want of even the most common comforts, sir. I see. Well, are there no prisons, Margaret? Plenty of prisons, to be sure. And Catherine... The Union workhouses, are they still in operation? Well, they are, but I wish I could say they were not. And the poor laws for the aged and the sick, are they still in effect? Yes, they are. That's quite good to know. I had thought from the way you generous and festive lady spoke that something had occurred to stop those generous and festive institutions from performing their generous and festive duties. I'm very glad to hear that all that generosity and festivity is still working properly for the poor, the destitute, the aged, and the sick. Good day. But, sir, despite their most sincere efforts, those institutions scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the multitude of... I bid you good day. It could be a better day, sir, for those suffering people. We do not profit by it, do we, Catherine? We are merely a few who are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. I see. And we have chosen this time of year because it is the time when need is most keenly felt, and the hearts of the more fortunate among us are most warmly open. Oh, indeed. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? Isn't that truly wonderful, Margaret? Oh. A truly Christian. He wishes to remain. I wish to be left alone. Sir? Since you ask me what I wish, that is my answer. I wish that every single hat-in-hand do-gooder who's out to rob the hard-working businessmen of this city in order to support the lazy poor for which we have workhouses and the aged sick for whom we have the poor laws would leave me alone. Oh! Oh, indeed. <laughs> I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I don't see why I must afford others to be merry, especially the idle poor. But, sir... I help to support the prisons and workhouses, and they cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. Oh, many can't go there, and many would rather die than go there. If they would rather die, then they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. A dreadful thing to say. If only you knew the suffering and deprivation that... It is not my business to know such things. My business is to know my business, and my business is here. It's enough that a man concern himself with his own business and not interfere with that of other people. Each should mind his own business. And for your information, my business occupies me constantly, and that includes this very minute, which, if I use it more wisely than by wasting it with you, I may make some profit with it. Good afternoon to you. And before the thought of wishing me a Merry Christmas crosses your mind, forbid it entry and get on with your business of finding gullible people willing to part with their hard-earned money in exchange for a silly and less-than-heartfelt Merry Christmas. Good day. Hearing Mr. Scrooge's angry rant toward the ladies, Ebenezer's sole employee, Bob Cratchit, enters the room just as the ladies are leaving. And what are you staring at, Bob Cratchit? I see you've snuffed your candle and put on your hat. I hope your attention to your figures is as good as your attention to the clock. 
I think it is, sir. I hope it is. Well, I'll know when I check your work, won't I? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, sir. And you know I will check it. Oh, yes, sir, you will. Ebenezer went back to straightening the papers on his desk. Bob remained still. Well, what is it? About tomorrow, sir. What about tomorrow? It's Christmas Day, sir. So my nephew gleefully pointed out to me. I suppose you heard. Yes, sir. I, I did hear him. I'm not paying you to listen to my conversations. No, sir. Of course not, sir. But I wasn't listening, sir. I, I heard the conversation all right, but I wasn't listening to it, sir. Not at all, sir. So that hand clapping I heard in there wasn't from you. Oh. Yes, oh. Well, the, the gentleman said, God bless Christmas. Humbug. Yes, sir. Humbug, sir. I'll thank you not to waste your paid time by eavesdropping on my conversations. Now be off with you. Ebenezer returned to his work. He felt Bob in the room. Well? Sir. You seem all packed up and ready to leave. Why are you standing there gaping? About tomorrow, sir. Christmas Day. <laughs> You'll want the entire day, I suppose. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. It is not fair. If I was to hold back half a crown from you for the day, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. Christmas comes but once in the year, sir. It is a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th day of December. But if you must have the whole day, then I suppose you must. But be here all the earlier the next morning. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. I, I will, sir. I will indeed, and... Well, what is it now? Uh, pardon my saying so, Mr. Scrooge, but my wife, sir. I wouldn't say this to you of my own, sir, but it was a promise I made to oh, her. Oh, get on with it. She begged me to promise to wish you a Merry Christmas, and... And as much as I know you dislike hearing it, I must keep my promise. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge, uh, from Mrs. Cratchit. Humbug. And for that wish, I suppose your Mrs. Cratchit will expect to see a little something extra in your pay. She may have something extra indeed, if she allows you to come in for half the day tomorrow. Oh, no, sir. Please, sir. Uh, not tomorrow. It's, it's only her way, sir. She meant no harm. Oh, be off to your Christmas foolishness. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, no, sir. I mean, I mean, Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Bob Cratchit rushed out the door and home to his family, while Ebenezer grumbled to himself as he put out the lamp and prepared to close the shop. Bah! As was his custom, he mumbled to himself, no doubt because he had no other person, friend or foe, to whom to mumble. Christmas! It's a silly notion is what it is. Bah! Show me a man who spends a farthing more at Christmas time than he does at any other time of the year, and I'll show you a fool. Christmas. It comes once in the year, indeed. One too many times to suit me. If there were a heaven to thank, I'd be thankful no one ever taught me such behavior. Insanity is what it is. Those in the bowels of Bedlam don't behave with as much silliness as these so-called normal people do at Christmas time. Christmas. Bah! Humbug! With his hat pulled down over his brow 
and his thin muffler wrapped several times around his neck. He stuffed his hands into his coat pocket and trudged through the snow-covered streets. They were festively decorated for Christmas, and carolers were celebrating the season, and a young boy, hat outstretched, approached Scrooge for alms for the poor. Get out of my way! Get out of my way! Cluttering up the streets with your dawdling and nonsense. Christmas! Ha! Humbug! Muttering his way along the street, Scrooge proceeded home to his bed. He lived in chambers that had once belonged to his deceased partner, Marley. They were a gloomy suite of rooms, located in the least fashionable part of the city. But... The lodgings were inexpensive, and that suited Scrooge very well. As he approached the door and inserted the key, he came eye to eye with the door-knocker, a very large contraption that had never before caught his attention in the seven years since he had occupied the place. On this particularly dark and foggy night, however, as Scrooge sought to unlock the door, he was eye to eye with the knocker, and he thought he saw not the knocker, but rather a knocker fashioned into the face of his old partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob? Ebenezer quickly rubbed his eyes as if to brush away the vision, and when he opened them, there was the door knocker, altogether undistinguished did not appear to resemble old Marley in the least. Bah! Stuff and nonsense! Tricks of the night! He unlocked the door and paused. Was it a trick of the night? He looked cautiously about the room, as if he half expected to be terrified by the sight of old Marley. But there was nothing. Bah! Old Scrooge grumbled his way through his rooms until he reached his bedroom. Against his custom, he peered cautiously about the room and proceeded to lock himself in. In fact, he double-locked the door. Now that should do nicely. Secure in his room, he took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap, and he sat down before his meager fire to take some gruel. Ah, hmm. a bit of bread, a bit of yesterday's beef, and it's a king's meal. What sense to spend at an alehouse when eating in one's own home is so very economical? I learned that from you, Jacob, I did. Do you remember how you scolded me for ordering a great bowl of kidney stew over at the Red Lion? Ah, such a tongue-lashing you gave me. The only reason you're wasting your money there is because of the scullery maid that scours the pots and giggles whenever she sees you. <laughs> you are a wise man, Jacob, and absolutely correct about that girl. I, I did have an eye for her. She's after your money, Ebenezer. Keep your money to yourself. Impressing a woman is expensive business. <laughs> Indeed. It is, and I am eternally grateful that you warned me of it. What was that? Something in the street? 
No doubt some silly Christmas revels disturbing everyone's peace and quiet. You, out there, whoever you are, go on, hide in the darkness, but hear this. Humbug to your Christmas, I say. Do you hear me? Humbug. Take your noisy reveling someplace else away from my window. Again? Hello? Hello? Get out of the streets, you hooligans! I'll not tell you again. Away with your carousing! They give themselves a holiday, and then they spend it in drink and raucous noise-making so that a decent businessman can't get a single week of sleep. I must be about my business in the morning, and I need a full night's sleep to do so. Earning my living is what I will be doing, and that is what you should be doing as well, you lazy idlers. What the devil? Even though he would have sworn he heard strange noises, still, old Scrooge was skeptical. Oh, it's humbug still. I won't, I won't believe it. The shadowy darkness of his gloomy bedroom began to dissipate into a strange and eerie color, and the fear began to rise from deep within the old man. What is this? Who's there? What do you want? Speak up, I tell you. I want to know who is here in my rooms. I'm warning you. The constable will have no pity on the likes of you. What is this? Fog? Smoke? Fire? Oh, uh, you won't frighten me. No matter what you do, whoever you are, you will not frighten me. Oh! Ah! Whatever you are, you've had your little joke. You may reveal yourself now. Ebenezer. What? What is it? Ebenezer. What? Who are you? You know me, Ebenezer. I do. How do I know you? Who are you? Who are you and why are you here? What do you want from me? I want you, Ebenezer. You want me? Listen to me. Listen? Listen to what? To me, Ebenezer. This is my imagination. Of course it is. What else can it be? <laughs> How can I not listen? You are very loud. Such nonsense. Stuff and nonsense. No! This is for your own good, Ebenezer Scrooge. If you are indeed real and not imaginary, then, then tell me, what do you want from me? I want much from you. Who are you? Ask me who I was. <laughs> Only imagination would pass words so. Oh, this is my imagination. Ha! <laughs> All right. Who were you, then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob? In life, yes. Jacob Marley. In death, I am the spirit I created in my life. How can that be? How can... It must be nonsense. Jacob? I saw you dead, Jacob. I saw you placed in the grave I did. It would have been a shallow one, to be sure, if not for the generosity of the gravedigger. 
How did you come to know that? You might have afforded me a decent burial. It was economical, Jacob. You taught me well. But I want to know how you came to know that. You were dead, quite dead, when the gravedigger put you... Ah, the gravedigger, that ingrate. He must have put it out what I paid, and now someone comes back to mock me with it. All right, you've had your fun. Taken it in good spirit, and you may go home now. You cannot dismiss my spirit, Ebenezer. A spirit lives forever and travels where it must. And you've traveled here to visit with me. I see. Well, then do sit down and make yourself comfortable. <laughs> go on, sit, please. Oh, please, do sit, O oh spirit of Jacob Marley. <laughs> Well, then. You don't believe in me? No, not really, I don't. It's a dream. I can't imagine any self-respecting apparition accepting an invitation to sit. It must be a dream. I haven't dreamed in quite some time, and I, I must say that it's, well, it's quite enjoyable, really. I had forgotten how enjoyable. You would be wiser to believe that I am truly here, Ebenezer. If you were me and I you, would you believe? It's a dream, and dreams are not real. What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your own sense? I don't know. What evidence have you to offer? Why do you doubt your senses? I doubt them because they may be affected by every sort of little thing. A slight disorder of the stomach, for instance, may make cheats of the senses. You may merely be, oh, an undigested bit of beef or a blot of mustard, a, a crumb of cheese, perhaps. Even the fragment of an underdone potato might do it. It could well be that there is more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. <laughs> More of gravy than of the grave. <laughs> quite good, Ebenezer, quite good. Ebenezer, have you always worn your disbelief this well? If you were really Jacob Marley, you would know that you taught me disbelief. But you are no visitor from beyond. You are undigested bits of this and that, and soon all of it, and you, will pass into my chamber pot. Come closer, Ebenezer. I have no fear of indigestion. Are you prepared for the truth? I will open my cloak and you will see it, Ebenezer. The truth! Look! Look, ah! See inside my heart and soul. Look at it, Ebenezer. Mercy. Oh, mercy, Jacob. Close it, Jacob. I cannot bear to look at it. I believe. I truly believe. Have mercy on me and tell me how such horror came to dwell inside of you. And why do you come to me in such a dreadful way? Why, Jacob, why do you trouble me so? You believe. I do. I do. I must. Seeing what I have seen, I cannot do otherwise. Only you could have shown it to me, Jacob. Only you. Oh, Jacob. Jacob, why have you come to me? Listen, before it is too late for you. Oh, speak to me, Jacob. My spirit is condemned because of how I lived my life. And now I must walk abroad among you mortals, ceaselessly and forever. There is no rest, no peace. But why come to me, Jacob? There is no reason for it. 
There is every reason. Count yourself fortunate that I will tell it to you. If a man does not go forth to his fellow man in life, his spirit is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. I might have behaved differently while on earth, but I did not. I might have shared and turned tears to happiness, but I did not. Now I must suffer for what I failed to do. Ah! Oh, you are in such pain, Jacob. Is it the chains you carry? Isn't it enough to be condemned to wander the earth? Must you also drag such heavy chains with you? I wear the chains I forged in life. I made them link by link and yard by yard. I girded them around myself of my own free will, and now I am condemned to wear them wherever I roam. See the pattern of them, Ebenezer. The money boxes, the purses, the rest of it. I, I see them. They are what I worshipped in life, and bade you worship, and they are like the ones you will wear on the chains you are forging now for yourself. I have no chain. Do you want to know the weight and length of the one you will bear yourself? I have no such chain. There is no chain. Seven Christmas Eves ago, your chain was already as heavy and as long as this that I wear now. And much have you labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain, Ebenezer, much more ponderous than mine. I, I, I see nothing. There is nothing, no chain. It is waiting for you. Waiting for... Do you mean after I... Oh, I implore you, Jacob, speak some comfort to me. I must know what is to become of me. I cannot tell you all that I would wish. Only very little more time is permitted to me. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. But why, Jacob? In life, my spirit never walked beyond our counting house. Mark me, Ebenezer, you and I, we stayed within our money-changing den, and I never went beyond those narrow limits. Now I must go, and go far beyond and never stay or linger long. Weary journeys lie before me. Seven years dead, and you've come to me only now. Have you been traveling all this time? No rest. No peace. Incessant torture of remorse. Traveling all the time. <laughs> it must be slow travel then, Jacob, to have taken so long to arrive here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Jacob. I did not mean to offend. You are captive, bound, and double-chained. Learn from me. No amounts of regret after death can make amends for the missed opportunities of your life. You are now what I was then, Ebenezer. But you are always a good man of business, Jacob. Business? Business. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the vast ocean of my business. But, Jacob, we... These chains weigh heavily on me always. But at this time of year, 
I suffer from them the most. Why did I walk through the Christmas crowds of my fellow beings with eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to that poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which that light of that star might have led me? But the poor have the workhouse and... Hear me well! My time is nearly gone! Oh, spare me, Jacob. Do not go hard on me. I know not how it is that you may see me now, when you have not done so on the many days I have sat invisible by your side. You've been here before. I was made to watch you and it was no light part of my sentence. I have watched you be less than generous with your hired man. But the wages I pay him... I have watched you overcharge for your services and squeeze high interest from the poor. You taught me, Jacob. I have watched you sink deeper and deeper into the abyss of greed and selfishness. But I learned from you, Jacob. I was not so always... You know that, Jacob. Of all people, you know what I was. Because of what you were, I have been sent here tonight to warn you that there is yet a chance for you, a hope of escaping my fate. You were always a good friend to me. You will be haunted. Haunted? No, Jacob, you are haunting enough. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the chance and hope you mentioned? It is. Three spirits, Jacob, haunting me. I, 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 I think I'd rather not. Shun their visits if you wish to walk the path I walk. Without their visits, you cannot hope to avoid my fate. Well, then... Expect the first when the bell tolls one. Is there another way? Surely there's another way. The second when the bell tolls two. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? The third when the bell tolls three. I am called. I must go. My journey never ends. At the stroke of one, be ready, Ebenezer. At the stroke of two. At the stroke of... The stroke of two. When the bell tolls three times... What? 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 Where have you gone? Was it? No, no, it, it could not have been. Jacob, an apparition? Nonsense. S some trick of the mind, perhaps. A, a dream. Am I asleep? Awake? Oh, Ebenezer Scrooge, get hold of yourself. All this talk of Christmas has you thinking strange thoughts. Ghosts, indeed. Nonsense. Humbug. And, and yet, but what if... Oh, bah! Sleep is what you need, Ebenezer. All will be well in the morning. Still, perhaps I should keep watch here in this room. Nonsense! There are no such things as spirits and ghosts and such. None. And yet, this fog, where did it... How did it... Ah, ah, yes, of course, the fog. It crept through the cracks in the window. Yes. But the vision of Jacob... 
Oh, it was so real, and yet, why did I not touch it? What, what prevented me from touching it? If I had touched it, I would have known. I should have touched it. But no, 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 this is all nonsense, all of it. A dream, that's what it was. That's all it was. But, but when he opened his cloak, oh, Jacob, such horrible sights were there. Jacob, why did you let me see such darkness, such evil? Bah, listen to yourself, Ebenezer. No, none of it was real. Humbug, it was all humbug it was. There is no such thing. And, and Jacob, 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 a spirit will come. At one o'clock. But, but I, but I. Scrooge slept uneasily, the memory of his vision haunting his dreams until the clock in the tower reached the one o'clock hour. The room filled with mist, and out of it suddenly there appeared a wispy figure, wrapped in robes even more delicate than the mist that produced them, and the vision carried with her a sprig of holly, which she waved over the old man's restless body. Come with me. Who, who are you? Come with me. Am I asleep? I feel awake, but the time, the time, is it one of the clock? Are, are you, are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. What are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? Your past. <laughs> the past is best forgotten. What possible good can come from remembering the past? I come for your welfare. My welfare? I'm much obliged, good spirit, but a good night's sleep might have served my welfare better. Let me get my sleep. Take heed! Yes, of course. I, I only meant to say that... Rise and walk with me. Walk with you? Where? Where will you take me? There. Out there? But... But I, I'm afraid I cannot go. No, no, not at all. It's, it's a cold night, cold and damp. Come with me. But I'm not dressed for such cold. My slippers, my nightcap, my... No cold will touch you. Come. Through there. Through the window? But, oh, don't be a fool. I'm a mortal. I cannot fly through the air. I am liable to fall. I lay my hand upon your heart. And now the warm breezes of the past will bear you where we need to go. Heaven is my witness, spirit. The night is gone. What have you done? Where's the cold? The city. Everything. Everything is gone. What is this? No, no, it cannot be. The, this place. I, I know this place. 
This is where I was born and bred. I, I was a boy here. Mark it well. Take me away from here. You fear the past, but why? You cannot change it. You see, everything is as it was. I won't look. The sounds, the smells. Can you hear the birds? The village church bell? And there, the house where you were a boy. Golden slumbers kiss your eyes. I remember. Smiles your lip is trembling. It is nothing, no, nothing at all. I Yes. Was it a happy time? Happy enough. Must we stay here long? Do you hear singing? It is my mother's voice. Sleep, pretty darling, do not cry, and I will sing a lullaby. I see her there, in the kitchen. The, the hearth is warm and she is singing. Oh, how she loved to sing. Shall we go there? Do you remember the way? Remember? I could walk it blindfold. There. How sweet the smell of fresh brewed tea, of baked bread. And her sweet singing. There were times you sang together. Yes, I remember it. Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. Come. Let me linger here with her. The past is filled with so much to see and there is so little time. Look there, the town with its bridge and the church, and see the river winding through. Just as it was, those boys, the ones riding on their ponies, they were my friends. Oh, such fun we had together. Spirit, will we frighten them? They are but shadows of things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. There's Samuel and, and George. Henry, Henry, there's Henry laughing and shouting. All my schoolmates, listen to the spirits. Can you hear them laughing? Henry, George, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. They cannot hear you. How happy they are. Of course they are. They're on Christmas holiday. Oh, yes. Christmas holiday. You remember, don't you? Christmas holidays. How wonderful they were. Weren't they wonderful? Everyone merry, warm hearths, Christmas cheer. You may take me back to my rooms now. Is there something you do not wish to remember? Something there? In the distance? It is folly to remember the past. Your mother's singing is folly. The unpleasant things of the past. Your mother's sickness. Take me away. And your father? I said, take me away. You cannot escape your past. Ebenezer? Ebenezer! I beg you. Ebenezer! I beg you, father, please don't send me away. But he did. My resolve wasn't strong enough, he said. I was too gullible, too willing to believe in any scheme that was laid in front of me. 
He said my head was too far in the clouds to be of any value to anyone. What good will you be here? You're not strong enough to be of any use to this house. Father, I shall do better, I promise. I won't disregard my chores, not even one more time. And I'll tend to mother all the day long, but father, please, please... A good, strict boarding school will teach you what I have been unable to. But father... My mind is made up. You were a disappointment to him? Yes. And he kept his word, and he sent you away to school. Yes. There, look there. I've seen enough. It's the school. And see, it's not quite deserted. I have no need to go there and I won't. Your past is yours alone. You have no choice. I won't look. I won't remember. A solitary child is inside the empty classroom. Take me away from here. His friends have all left for their homes. Look, do you remember? Yes. Why has this boy not left? Please, please don't let me see any more. He is reading by the fire. Do you remember the story? I've forgotten it. Alibaba. Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. He became your friend, didn't he? Alibaba and Robinson Crusoe, the genie, the parrot, the princess. So many characters, so many books. They were my good friends. Your only friends when all the other boys were taken away by their fathers and mothers to celebrate. Stop! You had Alibaba to take you away, to where there was singing and dancing and adventure. So much singing. You remember. There was always singing. Adventurous places filled with singing. The singing. I I should have. I, I, I wish, but. It's too late now. What is it? Nothing. Nothing. There was singing last night, no? Outside your business? Yes. In the street outside my shop, they they were singing carols for Christmas, and a, a young boy like that boy reading the book, he was among them. I Perhaps I should have given them something, a, a smile at least, but I... Enough. Let us see yet another Christmas. Another Christmas holiday spent at the school. Oh, I hated to see Christmas come. But one time something different. Remember? See who's come for you. Ebenezer! Ebenezer! Fan! Oh, yes, Fan! I had forgotten. I've come to bring you home, dear brother. Home? Yes, home, home, home! Home for good. Home forever and ever. Father is ever so much kinder than he used to be when Mother was sick. Now home has become like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night when I was going to bed that that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home, and he said, yes, you should. Did he, Fan? Father said for me to come home. Yes, and he said your singing would remind him of Mother, and, and it will, you know. The two of you sang so often, do you remember? Yes, we did. And so Father has sent me in a coach to fetch you. And you're to be at home forever and are never to come back here. Never to come back? Never. 
And this Christmas and every Christmas, you and I will be together all the Christmas long, and it will be the merriest time in all the world. Come along now. Come, Ebenezer. Oh, Fan. 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 She was a delicate creature, wasn't she? A mere breath might have withered her, but she had a very large and loving heart. So she had. She died a young woman, didn't she? Yes. Yes, she did. But she had children, didn't she? Yes, one child. Only one child. Your nephew? Fred. Are you all right? Yes. Then come. This place! You know it? Know it? I was apprenticed here. Merry Christmas, boys! Come along, come along! It's Fezziwig, bless his heart! It's Fezziwig alive again! Yo-ho there, Ebenezer! Sir? No more work tonight, it's Christmas Eve! But the work, Mr. Fezziwig, it isn't finished! Oh, enough work, it'll be here tomorrow and the next day and long after I'm in the grave... Come, my boy, it's Christmas. Put up the shutters, Ebenezer, and do it quickly. Yes, sir, Mr. Fezziwig. And clear the floor. We must have room for dancing. Hilly-ho, Ebenezer. Dancing, did you hear? And perhaps tonight you will sing for us? I? Gather everyone. The baker, the cook, the milkman, everyone. Put the fiddler over there. Everyone dances tonight. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. And such dancing there was. Go on. Go on. Spirit, may I join them? Of course. May I, Mrs. Fezziwig? Oh, it is kind of you and Mr. Fezziwig to spread such holiday cheer. Oh, no, no, not as yet. Perhaps someday the right young lady will come along, and then, well, I pray she dances as well as you. <laughs> oh. Oh, of course, you must tend to the table. Good cheer, Mrs. Fezziwig, and Mary... Mary... What were you about to say? Nothing. It's a small matter, isn't it? The celebration. A small matter? To bear the expense of so much food and wine? And the fiddler? I can assure you it's no small expenditure at all. But to have filled his employees with such gratitude. And for what? But a few pounds of your mortal money? And see the joy he receives in return. Remember how much you laughed that night. And sang, too, if memory serves correctly. Yes, I sang a song. Or two. <laughs> Is there a price to be placed on that kind of joy? Oh, to be sure, it was only a few pounds in the end, but... With it, dear old Fezziwig had the power to render so many people happy. And he did. He could have made our work a hell on earth, or, or a kind of heaven. And his choice? I had forgotten how appreciative he was. Thank you, Ebenezer, he would say. Excellent work. And always when he wanted something, he would say, Would you mind, Ebenezer? Would you mind? Can so few words yield so many happy faces? And those words, 
They cost him not a single penny. Not a single penny. Something bothers you. No. No, nothing in particular. Ah, something, I think. It's just that my clerk, Bob Cratchit, he's a good worker, very thorough, very few mistakes, and, well, I cannot remember ever having complimented him. Then our time here has been well spent. Come, my time grows short. Quick, there is much to see. Bell? Oh, no. No, not, not Bell. Take me away from here. You must remember. It matters little. To you, very little. I cannot. But to me, Ebenezer. You must. To me, it means everything. Go. And I must tell you my heart. What are you saying? Inside your heart, Ebenezer, another idol has displaced me. And if it can cheer you as I cannot, then... No, don't say these things. I must. If your new idol can make you happier and comfort you more in future times, as I would have tried to do, then I have no reason, no just cause, to keep you from your happiness. What idol has displaced you, Belle? Tell me. A golden one. You think I prefer wealth to you? Is that the golden idol you mean? There was a time when we both scorned the senseless pursuit of wealth. That's what you called it then, senseless. We were mistaken. I still believe it is senseless. Oh, listen to yourself, Belle. This is the hypocrisy of the world speaking. We were young and had no concept of how the world is. Look at it closely. This is how it is. The world pretends to be absolutely even-handed, but it fails. It despises nothing so much as it despises poverty, am I correct? But then it proceeds to severely condemn anyone who tries to destroy poverty by pursuing wealth. That is the hypocrisy. If we are not to be poor and not to be wealthy, then what are we to be? You see, it's the hypocrisy of the world. Must we give in to the hypocrisy of the world? We could live moderately, neither rich nor poor. I'm afraid we live in a world that expects us to choose one or the other. Think of what the world would say if we didn't work very much and were consequently very poor. Oh, look at them. They are lazy and have no ambition. And at the other end, what if we failed to work robustly enough to become wealthy and remained in the middle? I don't think the world would think much of that either. Oh, they could do so much better if only they had a bit more get-up-and-go. That's what the world would say of our youthful opinions. I don't want the world looking at me like that. You fear the world too much. We must live in the world, Belle. And when we pass from this world, what then? Oh, Ebenezer, there was a time when you feared nothing. You lived in hope. What has happened to you? All of your many hopes have merged into the only hope that you have left. The hope that the world will think well of you, and do so because you have become wealthy. You had nobler aspirations than that, Ebenezer. I have witnessed them. Doesn't the world think well of those who follow such aspirations? I am following my aspirations. You follow only one aspiration now. 
The rest have fallen by the wayside. And it is? To gain wealth. Of course I want to gain wealth. What harm to want enough wealth to feel secure? But the desire to gain so much has engrossed you. After all, of what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world? Must you quote scripture at me? Have I misjudged you? Even if you are correct, what then? Practicality has made me wiser in the ways of the world, but I'm not changed towards you, Belle. Am I changed towards you? When we first came to know each other and and like each other, we, we were both poor and content to be so. We determined that we would work hard together no matter our worldly wealth. But now you are changed. I am the same as I was. No, you were another man. I, I was a boy then. I am a man now, and a man must be practical in order to make his way in this world. Why can't you see that? Your anger reveals the truth. You were not then what you are now, and, and I am still what I was. I am still the same. Then we were one in heart when we promised each other happiness, but now, now our hearts are separate. Bah, that's nonsense. We are what we have always been. Oh, Ebenezer, this was not easy for me to say. I had thought to say it so many times before this, but, but now I have said it, and I am at peace with my decision. I release you from your promise. Have I ever sought release? In words, no, never. In what, then? In a changed nature, uh, in an altered spirit, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If we had never met before this change in you, tell me truthfully, would you seek me out as I am and try to win me? We both know the answer is no, you would not. You think not? I would gladly think otherwise if I could. But if I were a dowerless girl and I came as your bride with no worldly wealth at all, would you even consider me as a wife? We both know the answer. I want to give you all the good things in life, Belle, and to do that I must have a considerable amount of money at my disposal. If I work hard, I shall be able to do that. In time you will enjoy the best this world has to offer. Give it some time, Belle. There is a great balance in life, Ebenezer. You cannot gain anything of value without losing something of value. To gain your considerable amount of money, what will you lose? Oh, I beg of you to think of that in future days. May you be happy in the life that you have chosen. I shall always think of you fondly, Ebenezer, but I must say goodbye. No, no, you mustn't. Belle! Belle, bring, bring her back, spirit. Please, bring her back to me. You cannot repeat the past. You may only remember it. Oh, spirit, why do you torture me? Show me no more. One shadow more. No, no more. I cannot bear it. I want to go back. Look there. Belle? Is it Belle? With a husband and children who <laughs> love her. See the room they are sitting in. Do you see it? Yes. Look closely at it. Modest, simple, plain, not poor, not wealthy. It's in the middle, Ebenezer. And your bell, does she look well to you? She looks happy. That might have been you beside her. 
Those children might have been your children. That happened. Stop! Take me back! I can bear no more! Away and back! Oh, oh, I cannot bear it. No, please. Oh, Belle. Belle, I wish, I wish, I wish. Oh, dear Belle and, and Fan, please, please take me. Mother, mother singing. Father, back to father. No, no more. Take me back, take me back, take me back. No. Scrooge fell into a fitful sleep. He tossed, he turned, he twisted himself into his thin blanket until the clock struck two. Ebenezer sat straight up in his bed. There before him was a sprightly figure dancing about the room. Are you the second of the spirits Jacob spoke of? Yes. (laughs) I am the ghost of Christmas present. Fear me not, for I am pleasant. Do not flee, but look at me. Look at me, what do you see? I see. I see. Save your words, but use your eyes. To close them now would be unwise. Look and see abundance here that comes to you with much good cheer. Where? What abundance? The halls are decked with boughs of holly. And see over there the best cuisine. Turkey, poultry, sausage, oysters, hot potato soup. Benatarine. Ha <laughs> The sight of it fills me up. Sweets there are to top your meal off grapes and pudding cake and candied fruit. Then a drink to toast and then quaff tasty Christmas punch that's made to suit. <laughs> I am dizzy with food. But, spirit, why show me all of this? Because there is no greater crime than hungry folk at Christmas time. I shower blessings door to door and shower most upon the poor. Where has it all gone? The food, the drink. There is much to show you still. Will you come of your free will? Spirit, conduct me wherever I must go. Last night a spirit compelled me to go forth, forced me to see what I did not want to see. If I can learn as much tonight, I am prepared to go where you would take me. If you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it. Let us go then round the globe. Come forward, then touch my robe. What is this place? Of all the places we must roam, the first must be inside this home. Who is it lives here? How comes it is you do not know the home of him who helps you so? Bob Cratchit. Yes. Your hired man, and there he is. Will he see me? We are invisible to him. And look, there is his good wife. Where is Tiny Tim? Playing with the other children. Tiny Tim, is that his child? And did Tim behave well? (laughs) As good as gold. He's a strangely quiet boy, is he not? He keeps his own thoughts, to be sure. 
Often I wonder what goes through his mind, because sometimes he speaks the strangest things. Indeed he does. Uh, on our way home just now, he said to me that he wished everyone would look at him when we go to church. And why? So they would see his crippled leg, he says. Crippled, is he? Yes. But his crippled leg has always embarrassed him. Why say such a thing now? He said that his leg will remind people of who it was that made the blind to see and the lame beggars to walk. Miracles, Mother. He wants the people to be mindful that miracles can and do happen. Every day I pray for that miracle. He has a great soul, Mother. A strong soul. Now if only his body would grow as strong. Pray God it will. But there's comfort in knowing there is nothing crippled about his heart. We have fine children, Robert. All of them fine. Indeed they are. And we shall set a feast for them this Christmas. It isn't much of a goose we have, but oh, the gravy is exceptional this year. And what with Master Peter's mashed potatoes and Mistress Belinda's sweetened applesauce and my pudding, none of us will go hungry, to be sure. Who could ask for more, my dear, except that our Tim become strong and healthy? Will he, spirit? Lord, let tiny Tim remain crippled if it must be so, but only see to it he becomes healthy and lives a long life. Amen to that. And what is it I smell floating above all other delicious smells? Is that my gin and lemon Christmas punch? Simmering over the fire. With it, we shall toast Mr. Scrooge, founder of the feast. Founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. It's Christmas Day, Mother. It will be a Christmas Day in hell when I drink to the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. But, Mother... You know it's true, Robert. Mr. Scrooge is as unfeeling a man as has ever walked the earth. Uh, but... He is, Robert. No one knows better than you, you poor fellow. He works you so hard. And was he born into the world that way, do you think? You've held the children in your arms, Mother. You know they'll grow in the way that we nurture them. So drinking to the health of a hateful man in the hope that he will change might serve our children some good. Not so? All right, then. I'll drink to his health. But for the children's sake, and yours, and the sake of this holy days, not for his... I shall wish him a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I shall even wish him a long life and happiness, which he will surely have with the money he saves by paying you so little. Do we want for anything, Mother? We get by. You and the children, that's happiness enough for me. Merry Christmas, Mother. There's some value in that. You're a good man, Bob Cratchit. Merry Christmas. Come! Spirit, 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 the, the little boy they speak of, the, the crippled one, will he grow strong and have a long life? Tiny Tim, are you certain you wish to know? Yes, yes, they cherish that boy. It's obvious. It would crush them if he were to die. Tell me he will live, live and prosper. Or there in the corner... A crutch I see there. No owner comes for it. The family's at prayer. They sit at their...
table a vacant seat waits. No tiny Tim sits there. Oh, no, kind spirits say he will be spared. Unless there is a miracle, a miracle divine, or ways to get expensive care, his health will soon decline. Until someone will offer help and hear his feeble cry, I'm afraid that the little boy will die, suffer and die. No. I am sorry, but the little boy will die. Oh, do not say so, spirit. Say he will not die. Oh, what of it? If he be likely to die, he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Ah. Man, if you truly be a man in your heart, you would not speak so callously of life and death. Will you decide what men shall live and what men shall die? It may be that, in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like that poor man's crippled child. Oh, spirit, I... I do, do not I, spend your words on me. Save them for when they may do some good. Look. What place is this? A place where miners live. So bleak and desolate. The coals that warm you come from here. And those... Those are the men who labor in the bowels of the earth to dig the coal. Look within that house. It isn't much of a house. A shack, really. What do you see? An old man and woman. With their children. And with them, their children's children. All singing. I know that song. I remember it. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. But the words, I've, I've forgotten them. Good King Wenceslas went down On the feast of Stephen Yes. When the snow lay round about Deep and crisp and even Yes, and even. And even these who must labor till their bones ache even they know the joy of celebrating Christmas. I can't bear to hear such joy arise from these poor creatures. Take me away. But don't you want to hear the final verse of the hymn? Do you know it? No. Therefore, Christian men, be sure, wealth or rank possessing, ye who now will bless the poor, shall yourselves find blessing. Away from here and on to there. Where, where has the land gone? We are in the midst of the sea. We may drown, Spirit. Oh, you are safe with me. Uh, look within that lighthouse. See you two men? Yes, they too are singing. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. Pray whither sailed those ships all three on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I remember. Day. Oh, oh, they, they sailed, sailed into Bethlehem on Christmas Day in the morning. And all the souls on earth shall sing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And all the souls on earth shall... And all the souls on earth shall sing on Christmas Day in the morning. All the souls. 
And now, to dry land and more familiar faces. Can you hear the music? Yes, yes, it's joyous. And see there. My, my nephew Fred. <laughs> oh, oh, how he laughs. <laughs> As I live and stand before you, he said Christmas was a humbug. <laughs> and he believed it, too. More shame for him, Fred. <laughs> Don't be harsh on him. He's a comical old fellow, and that's the truth. And yes, he's not so pleasant as he might be, but his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. And he's very rich, you say? Oh, what of it? it? His wealth is of no use to him. He does no good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. And he hasn't the satisfaction of thinking that he is ever going to benefit us with it. I have no patience with him. Well, I do, and I feel sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers his ill whims? Himself always. Tonight, for instance, he takes it into his head that he dislikes us and therefore won't come to dine with us. What's the consequence? He is deprived of a fine dinner. I accept the compliment. The poor man will not come and make merry with us, and so he loses some pleasant moments, which, if truth were known, could do him no harm. Surely we must be companions more pleasant than he can find in his own thoughts, either in his moldy old office or his dusty chambers. I can't understand why you don't give up on him. Never. I, I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not. Because, well, I pity him. He may rail at Christmas till he dies, but surely he can't help thinking a bit better of it. If he finds me going in there in good temper year after year and saying, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? I think I shook him yesterday. Oh, enough about the old curmudgeon. Shall we play a game? What shall it be? We must go. Blind man's bluff. Blind man's bluff. I played that when I was a young man. Come along, everyone. It is time. Oh, a minute more. Blind man's bluff it shall be. But first... A toast. My uncle Ebenezer has given me plenty of merriment, and it would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. To Uncle Scrooge. A bit reluctantly, I'll join you. To Uncle Scrooge. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to him, whether he wants it or not. My time is short. How short? Long enough to stay. Come. My life upon this globe ends tonight. Tonight? Were I to take you off to visit every foreign land, you'd see them all come welcome me, extending me their hand. Young or old, rich or poor, they will open every door to say God bless you and send you a happy new year. May God send you a happy new year. You are finished with me, then. I leave you with these words. Are there no prisons, no workhouses? No! Oh, let those in need go there. Or if they'd rather die than go there, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. 
Do you recall those words? Yes. Oh, they bespeak ignorance. Beware of ignorance. I bid you farewell. No, wait. Wait, please don't leave me. Wait, please don't leave me. Ignorance. Oh, decrease the surplus. No, no, I, but beware of ignorance. Beware of, let them go there. Ignorance. Decrease the surplus population. Decrease, decrease. Ebenezer was hardly asleep when the clock struck three. Fear gripped him. He slowly opened his eyes, and there before him was a specter draped and hooded in black. Can can you be? Am I? Am I in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? Oh, have pity on me, spirit. I am beginning to see now that I could have overcome. I needed not to have let the pain of my past consume me, make me as I am. You believe me, don't you? Why will you not speak? The other spirits have taken me to my past, the present. Uh, are you... Will you now show me shadows of the things that have not happened but will happen in time? Is that so, spirit? Then, ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have thus far seen. But please, please do do me at least as much good as the others have, for, for I can see now as I never saw before, and I hope to live to be another man different from what I was. Yes, I am prepared to bear your company, and I shall do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? Lead on, then. Lead on. It's a lucky thing I got there before the constable could come and put a lock on his things, or I might not have come away with so much. When did he die? <laughs> Last night. <laughs> so the devil's come to collect him at last. I thought he'd never die. What's he done with all his money? He ain't left it to me, that's all I know. But I got me this bundle for you to have a look at. It's what I could make away with, like I told you before the constable could come. You got a right. Lord knows the skinflint paid you pennies for your work when he should have paid you pounds. You got a right to snatch up what you could before the law come by. There's times when the poor's got to make our own law. Now, let's see what you made away with and I'll tell you what it's worth. Got the right to take care of myself. It's no sin, that's what I say. And I was the lucky one today, I was. Got there before any of the others and got me pick of things. 
They won't be none the wiser. And dead as he is, he ain't no worse off for losing a few things. <laughs> Here, take a look. Even the sheets and the towels. What's he gonna do with them where he's gone? <gasps> oh, oh, and look here. I saved the best and it's in me boot. Here's two silver teaspoons. Ooh. And a pair of sugar tongs. Oh, these might be worth a bit. And what's these? Bed curtains? <laughs> That's right. You took them down, rings and all, with him lying there, dead. I did. He weren't gonna see me. Oh, what about this blanket? You took his blanket as well. Well, we ain't likely to catch a cold without it. <laughs> oh, and there's this shirt in there too. You won't find a single hole in it or any threadbare place at all. It was his best one. Oh. You can be sure it would have been wasted at I not taking it. Wasted all? Oh, some fool might have put it on him for the burial, and that's what I call wasting goods that could be used well otherwise. <laughs> the case of this unhappy man might be my own. Tonight, I begin to see how a man comes to such a lonely death. A man must sow many hateful seeds to reap so much disrespect to his life. But but why show me this? Is it that I am to die that way, with not a single man or woman to speak my kindness to them? Kindness. How long ago my last kindness? I, I cannot... Re Oh, spirit, this is a fearful place. Take me from it, and I promise you not to leave this lesson behind. I only pray I have strength enough at my age to learn. Please, let us go. Yes, yes, I will follow you. Tell me, spirit, this woman... Does she mourn that man's death? Oft in the stilly night, ere slumber's chain has bound me. She grieves mightily, it seems. Fond memory brings the light of other days around me. She must have loved the departed one very much. The smiles, the tears of boyhood's years. A child? The words of love then spoken. The eyes that shone, now dimmed and gone. The cheerful hearts now broken, lost in the stilly night, ere slumber's chain has bound me. Sad memory brings the light of other days. Around me. The child, can it be? 
Was it green, Robert? The grass? Today when you visited where they laid our tiny Tim, was it green? Oh, no. I hope it was green and growing, as I wish our boy had grown. I want it to be green and bright, as bright as he might have been. No, say it isn't so. I cannot go there yet, Robert. I cannot bear to do it. You must go for me. Speak to him for me. Tell him. Tell him I miss him. Tell him I will always love him. Tell him his mother I shall always be. Here, in my heart, he is always with me. Tell him, Robert. Tell him for me. Mother? Mother, where are you going? Where do they go? Must I follow? Why must you come here, Mother? It's difficult enough for you to visit Tiny Tim's grave. Why must you stop at this one? Look at it, Rebecca. No one comes here. This place is choked with nettles, thorns, weeds, and thistles. It's a desolate place. No one cares for it. It's fitting. In life, the old miser cared for no one. Daughter, should any soul be forgotten? Yes. Those who in life that forget to care for the living should be forgotten in death. Yes, they should. I have forgiven him, as your father has. How can you forgive him? He could have saved Tiny Tim, and he didn't. A few of his hoarded pounds would have been enough. He should rot in hell as his body rots in that grave. Does she mean me? Be kind, Rebecca. He had not an ounce of compassion. Then we must be more compassionate to make up for him. Come. Farewell, Ebenezer Scrooge. May God have mercy on your soul. Oh! It is I. It is I. Oh, Spirit, must it be? Are these the shadows of the things that will be, or are they the shadows of the things that only may be? Oh, tell me, Spirit, tell me that I may change the course I am on. Say that you will have some pity on me, though I deserve little. Assure me that I may yet change these things you have shown me by altering my life. Hear me now! Hear my promise! I am not the man I was. I see now that I allowed myself only to keep the pain of the past, and it shaped me, molded me into the man I now despise. I will not be that man. I will change my life. I will remember the kindness, the mercy, the goodness of my past. Oh, tell me, yet there is yet hope for me. Have mercy on me, spirit. I, I, I promise you now, I will honor Christmas in my heart, and I will try to keep it all the year round. I will remember the past I have been shown. I, I will not forget it, and the present. I open my door to this very Christmas, and to all Christmases for as long as I may live to do so. Wait, wait, Spirit, do not go until you promise. Promise me that I may live to make amends with my life. Oh, do, do not go, Spirit. I will mend my life. I will honor Christmas. Have, 
have have mercy on me. I have I will will open my door in my heart. In my heart I I will oh. And with a start, Ebenezer awoke, and he looked about him for any sign of the spirits who had visited him. And when he could find no trace of them, he called for his old business partner. Jacob? Are you still round and about, Jacob? <laughs> look at me! Oh, 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 look at me! Scrooge looked through every room for any sign of Jacob. He looked under his bed, and behind the tapestry, and in the closet. What's come over me, Jacob? I, I'm, I'm light as a feather, I am. I'm, I'm happy as an angel, and merry as a schoolboy, giddy as a drunken man. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jacob, thank you. From now on, I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. Oh. Jacob Marley, heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Christmas, is it Christmas Day? The old man ran quickly to the window. He opened it and put out his head. Oh, my, what a glorious day. No fog, no mist, clear, bright, golden sunlight. Heavenly sky, sweet fresh air, merry bells, oh, glorious, glorious. You, you, I say you there. What's today? What's today, my fine fellow? What? Christmas Day? It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Do you know the poultriers in the next street but one at the corner? The boy knew precisely where it was. He set about to purchase the largest turkey they had with a generous purse of Scrooge's hard-earned money. I'll send it off to Bob Cratchit, and I'll wager it will be larger than Tiny Tim. <laughs> oh, oh, and the children. I must see to it that they have presents besides, and something special for the missus. <laughs> I'll deliver them myself, and then... Yes, of course. I shall surprise my nephew Fred and join him for Christmas dinner. He dressed himself in his finest clothing and went into the streets with a light and merry heart, greeting all who came by him. Merry Christmas, good sir. Madam, may this be the merriest Christmas day of your entire life. You, you young man, do you see those children there? Take these coins and give each of them one, and the remainder keep for yourself for a Merry Christmas. As he turned the corner, who should he see before him but the two good women who had importuned him for a gift to help the less fortunate? Ladies! Ah, good day, ladies, and the merriest of Christmases to you. Why, why good day to you, Mr. Scrooge. And a very Merry Christmas to you, too. Ebenezer Scrooge beckoned them close and whispered a Christmas surprise to them. 
Why, Mr. Scrooge! So generous! Incredibly generous! And come around at the beginning of the new year and I shall make yet another donation to your cause. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you! Oh, thank you! And Merry Christmas to you and yours! From there, Ebenezer went to the church to be sure that he left a little something in the poor box. Then he walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro. He patted little children on the head, and he glimpsed through windows, and he saw families celebrating the day. He had never dreamed that anything could give him so much happiness. He continued his walk through the city until, at last, he was at his nephew's door. Fred! My dear nephew Fred. What? Who is this? What have you done with my sour old Uncle Ebenezer? (laughs) That old curmudgeon has tasted the sweetness of Christmas, dear sir. And I am here to tell you that I will return to enjoy Christmas dinner with you and your dear wife. But first I must see to it that my employee Bob Cratchit, his wife and family, are all well taken care of and prepared to enjoy the entire week of work days together in their own home, with the certain knowledge that he is to have a raise in his salary. What has gotten into you, Uncle? Why, Christmas, dear boy. Christmas has gotten into me. I must be off on my way. You will join us, Uncle. You aren't joking. But Ebenezer didn't hear his surprised nephew. He was already on his way to the Cratchit house, where he was greeted at the door by the youngest child, Tiny Tim. Sir? And might you be the one called Tiny Tim? I am, sir. Will you come in, sir? Gladly, I will. Merry Christmas to you all. Mrs. Cratchit, there's a turkey coming, and I hope your oven is large enough to accommodate it. And for you children, toys of every sort. And and Bob, here's a little something for you to spend on your household. Now, now I must join my nephew. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. I won't expect you back at the counting house for one full week from today, Bob. And you'll be paid for it as well. And at a better salary. The Cratchit family stood dumbfounded. Merry Christmas to you, and God bless all of you. And he was rushing off very quickly, but not quickly enough to miss Tiny Tim's heartfelt response. God bless us, everyone. After the festivities of the day were concluded, Scrooge was better than his word. He did all that he had promised to do, and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he became a second father. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh. In his own heart, he too was laughing, but for his own good reasons. Ebenezer had no further intercourse with spirits, but he never forgot how to keep Christmas well. And may that truly be said of us, all of us, so that we might shout, along with dear Tiny Tim, God bless us, everyone. 
You've been listening to The Cabaret Theater Presents A Christmas Carol, adapted by John Caracella, based on the novella by Charles Dickens, with David Ceramet as Ebenezer Scrooge, Rachel Nicely as Margaret Bottomsfield, Fan, Belle, and Christmas Present, Peggy Bryan as Catherine Townsend, Mrs. Cratchit, Fred's Wife, and Christmas Past, Keith Bodela as Fred, Rob Cratchit, Fezziwig, and Jacob Marley, featuring John Carousella as the narrator. Various other voices performed by the cast. Director, Keith Bodela. Producers, John Carousella and Jonathan Horanic. Executive producer, Keith Bodela. You can learn more about the Cabaret Theater at thecabarettheater.com or find us on Facebook. Thank you all for your support. We hope that all of you have a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Stay safe. Thank you. Cabaret Theater is a non-profit theater organization operating in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Our mission is to revitalize the performing arts in Latrobe and our region. You can find more information about the Cabaret Theater at thecabarettheater.com or on Facebook. If you enjoyed listening to this production, please share and subscribe for future episodes. If you are able to, you can also donate via PayPal. There is a link in the show notes. Thank you.